Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to Episode 1, Domestically Scaled Menace. Kurt and I each have an interest in storytelling, and we like to discuss and write about what we read and watch on our separate blogs. Recently, we were discussing some of our favorite TV shows together, and we realized that we each have a favorite show that the other hasn't seen. So, we decided that we would watch these two shows that we've each come to love in parallel, one episode of each per week, and then discuss our different perspectives. For me, it's the modern revival of Doctor Who, which is sometimes known as New Who. And for me, it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The purpose of this podcast is actually twofold. Uh, Foremost, it's always enjoyable to revisit a favorite show, especially in the company of a new viewer, in the hope of seeing that old favorite in a new light. And on the other side of the coin, it's fun to start a new series that's been recommended to you, maybe what you suspect you'll like, while having an already established fan help you to see things you might not pick up on the first time through. For longtime fans of these shows, we hope you'll enjoy hearing the debate, discussion, and analysis of something that you already love. For newbies, we hope that watching along with us will introduce you to these shows that we love and become engaged in discussions about them. Since we're each approaching these shows from opposites of the spectrum and switching things up within the episodes, hopefully this will keep it fresh for all listeners. Also, we think that the discipline of watching only one episode per week and giving ourselves time to really think about each one in a critical way will allow us to dive deeper and gain more insight than just binging. Not that there's anything wrong with that. For this first episode, we'll give a brief introduction to each show and we'll start on the actual episodes next week. Uh, So I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction um, on Doctor Who. So Doctor Who can basically be divided into two main sections. Um, And I know there are a lot of fans out there who feel very strongly that a true fan um, knows both the old and the new incarnations of the show. I think that's a perfectly valid viewpoint. I can't pretend that I have seen any of the classic series. So uh, don't expect a lot of um, insight into that from me. Um, But I do think that the new show needs to sort of stand on its own merits. It's made 15 years after the old one. Um, It's made with, you know, 21st century expectations of pacing, uh, visual effects, characterization, acting, Um, all of these things um, really matter. So I think if we're going to look at these two shows next to each other, it's really important um, and I think valid that we look at the modern incarnation of the show. Um, But just to give you some background, um, Doctor Who first appeared um, on British screens in 1963. So 2013 is actually the 50th anniversary of the show. It'll be the 50th anniversary uh, this coming November. Um, And it ran um, unbroken for quite a long time. Uh, Maybe there was a few breaks in there um, of, you know, a few months of hiatus, but basically it was on TV from 1963 to 1989. Um, In that time, there were seven different actors who played the part of the Doctor. Um, It also came back in 1996 for a one-off TV movie, which was actually Um, American produced. I think it was meant to be sort of a TV movie that would serve as a pilot for a new show. Um, So they cast an English actor, but they um, completely redid the feel of the show, set it in the States, and tried to get, you know, a new, fresh American audience. And 
uh, failed miserably at this. <laughs> um, and so uh, it stayed dormant again. There was a lot going on in the fandom during that time. You know, um, a lot of audiobooks continued to be produced, including a lot of the actors who were in the classic series. Um, a lot of novelizations are written, um, not just, not really novelizations of old episodes, but new novels telling new stories. So there was plenty ways for people to get their Doctor Who fix in the 15 years that it was off the air. Um, but uh, it didn't really come back until 2005 with the new show. Um, just to give you some perspective on what, uh, you know, what this might mean to a British audience when it came back. Um, you know, we know of Doctor Who here um, very recently. It's become something of a pop culture, sort of a niche, um, you know, a cult hit, I guess. Um, in the UK, it is everywhere. It's pretty much kids are raised um, watching this show as much as, you know, any hmm. bit of pop culture here in the States. Um, you know, apparently you'll find people there who know the monsters by name, even if they're not even particular, like they may never have even really watched a whole episode, but they'll know what a Dalek is, it's or just, they'll know, it's just in, it's in the air. It's ingrained. Over there. Huh. Exactly. Um, and it is intended as a children's program. Um, so the, you know, kids start watching this show, or they did when it was on, you know, uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, would start watching it at three, four, five years old. Um, now, it has that kind of mass appeal that great children's literature does, just like uh, The Hobbit, you know, the Narnia stories, Alice in Wonderland. Um, this is not... Uh, it, it's children's stories in the sense that it's inclusive of children. It's not exclusive of any one particular group. Um, so, you know, it's stuff, but it's definitely something that they have this cliche. Um, they, they call it hiding behind the sofa um, that kids, you know, will talk, you know, British people will talk about remembering what was the episode or the monster that made them at age six have to get up and hide behind the sofa. <laughs> so the intention was uh, always to scare um, and to, you know, to scare kids. And what they really do brilliantly is this mix of, you know, the, the horrific or the fantastic with the mundane. So if you're really trying to get at kids, it's all about, you know, the things in your house, the, the things behind the bed. Um, I think Stephen Moffat calls it domestically scaled menace. Um, so <laughs> just to give you a little bit of a teaser, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the monsters, for lack of a better term, that they face are these idea of mundane things, which are, hmm. you know, somehow imbued or twisted with, you know, supernatural malevolence um so but it's not just uh you know meant to be children's stories it's also doing a lot of genre blending i mean obviously it's a travel through time and space so it's sci-fi um a lot of the science is frankly nonsense so you have to you have to call it fantasy and i mean that in the best sense um so there's an element 
you know, they explain the magic away with techno babble, but there is an element of, it's just, you have to simply wave the wand and say that <laughs> it's magic. Mm. Um, and then again, with, um, with the kids hiding behind the sofa, there is an element of horror there, not necessarily gory horror, but the kind of creeping, you know, menacing terror, really. Um, and then elements of fairy tale as well. Um, so the show was off the air, uh, TV movie did not go forward. Um, in 2005, um, the show was revived, um, and it was revived by, uh, a Welsh screenwriter, uh, whose name is Russell T Davies. Um, and he's the one who really brought the show back, got it kickstarted, um, and because he and his whole production team are Welsh and based in sort of out of BBC Wales, that's why the whole uh, show, since it came back, has been sort of based in uh, the Cardiff production team. Um, so Russell Davies uh, was the showrunner from 2005 when he brought it back uh, through 2009. Um, it may interest you to know that Russell is on record as being a fan of Joss Whedon and nice. Buffy. Um, but but and, who isn't really? I mean, let's face it. Well, <laughs> as 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 most bright people are. So uh, we may, I will imagine that as we watch the two, we may see a little. Even though Doctor Who predates Buffy, uh, the classic series does, we may see a fair amount of influence from Joss and from Buffy in New Who because it actually works the other way around. By yeah, the time this starts, Buffy is well established and in the pop culture at that point. Yeah. Um, so it might be interesting to look at how the old and new is sort of blended. Um, so Russell Davies um, was then succeeded by Stephen Moffat, who uh, became showrunner in 2010, and he's currently the showrunner. Um, he would frequently write... Um, single episodes for Davies sort of as a freelancer so they would they didn't really have you know they had the show runner but they didn't have a writing staff like shows normally do they didn't have full-time you know writers whose job it was to write for the show they sort of farm the scripts out um to other screenwriters a lot of whom have you know are very well known for other British you know uh productions a lot of them are showrunners in other shows um, Stephen Moffat being one of them. He was a pretty celebrated writer before he started this, and even more so now. Um, you'll probably know him from Sherlock, which he uh, co-created with Mark Gatiss, who uh, plays Mycroft in Sherlock. Okay. Um, and Mark Gatiss is another actor-slash-writer who uh, was also involved in the new series of Doctor Who. Um, so he will also frequently write single episodes. And they would have these long train rides between Wales and London making Doctor Who where they got talking about how much they love Sherlock Holmes stories and the rest is history. Um, <laughs> okay, so just to go through um, a few points, we don't want to get too much into content because we don't want to spoil um, what's to come for each other, but just to set the stage a little bit, um, as a friend of mine said when he was suggesting that I start watching Doctor Who, I was terrified of watching it because the completest in me felt I have to start in 1963. And he said, <laughs> uh, 
wisely that, advised me to not do this. And, and and that was a little how I was feeling too. I mean, I've I've got friends obviously and, and acquaintances who've who've been Doctor Who fans for quite some time, and it was like there's just there's like you said, it's the 50th anniversary. 50 years. There's just so much that to catch up on, even if you ignore, like you were saying about all the other media and and books and audiobooks and and one off, you know, whatever. Like they're just so much but anyway well and i and i my um excuse is this i think this is what validates it for me and for our podcast and for anybody who's looking to sort of maybe someone who's looking to jump in in the new show but is a completist and is ocd and feels like they have to start um with the very first episode my consolation is that they didn't have dvds and dvr when the classic show was running mm -hmm. and someone who was six in 1973 and started watching when it was the you know tom baker was the doctor they didn't feel they didn't have the ability to go back and start with the first doctor yeah, that's they a good started point. and a lot of people talk about you'll everyone kind of has in quotes their doctor you know who is you know so we're up to number 11 now. We've had 11 doctors. So everyone's got the doctor that you say the doctor and who is it that pops into your mind. Um, a lot of people, uh, the, the trend is that whoever was your first doctor tends to be your favorite and the one that you really think of. And, you know, and that really depends on when you started watching it. Um, you know, most people don't start with the first doctor. They started with whoever was on at the time right, right. so everyone unless you were you know old enough in 1963 everyone has had that experience of watching one of the subsequent you know eras and then going back um and right. filling in those gaps and so i think that sort of and like i said i think there's a big difference between a show created in the 70s and the 80s and a show created in the 2000s and as much as they're as much as it's the same show i think the new show has to be its own thing and so and and yeah. i think you i don't i think it was you who told me this but maybe it wasn't um that even it may not be possible to go back and fill in all the gaps because some of the early shows were were lost is that am i right in saying that yeah, that's true. During the late 60s, the BBC would frequently um, wipe their own tapes to reuse them um, for reasons best known to themselves. So uh, we did lose a lot of classic British TV from the late 60s. Um, Patrick Troughton was the doctor, the second doctor, and I I, I think I... BBC America's doing these... Um, profiles of each of the doctors it's mm -hmm. really fascinating because the the anniversary is in november which is the 11th month we have 11 doctors so perfect well there one you month, go one month per doctor and at the end of each month they've been showing a little biography like a little documentary mm -hmm. um on each of the doctors so you know we've had three so far and we'll have the fourth this month so uh they were talking about you know the second doctor and how many of those classic episodes um just don't exist anymore it's a real shame yeah um they exist in people's memories but uh but not necessarily on film uh let's see 
Okay, well, so again, so we are just going to do um, the modern incarnation of the show. Um, just to give a, a little background, the one thing that my friend did say when, oh, this is where we, this is where we left off. My friend who was uh, suggesting that I start watching it um, and kind of telling me you don't have to start all the way 50 years ago, it's okay. Um, you know, he kind of, I, I was, I was sort of like, well, I don't want to, you know, there's too much. I don't know what it's, it's, it's overwhelming. I don't know what it's about, whatever. He said, um, it's about an alien in a time machine who travels time and space with his human companions. That's all you need to know. Um, and that's really, you know, if, if we get into talking about sort of the archetype or the mythic aspect of it that's really all you need to know it's just journeys through time and space um an alien and his human friends um so the alien obviously is the doctor um not doctor who i have to note as everyone makes the mistake at some point early in their viewing um it's just the doctor um hmm. the question of the name i'm sure we will revisit at some point i'll, but I'll we'll do my best that. i'll do my best not to offend anyone with my i know it's a faux pas <laughs> yes um so the major ask i mean i won't give i won't get into the character of the doctor because obviously we're gonna meet him and learn about him um the one aspect that i will touch on just because it has so much to do with the old show is this idea of regeneration so when um William Hartnell, who was the first doctor, um, wanted to retire because he was, you know, in his 50s or 60s and had played the part for a number of years. Because it's sci-fi, and this is why sci-fi is so much better than anything else, um, we don't have to end the show. We don't have to recast him, or not really. We don't have to cast another actor who's a similar sort of actor and pretend do what they do on soaps, which is just swap one person for someone else and pretend like they always had blonde hair. Right, right. Um, they killed him off um, and had him regenerate. And they built into his backstory, because he's an alien, he is... We're not quite sure if he's immortal. He can definitely be killed. We're not sure whether he can do this indefinitely or eternally, but he does have this ability when near death, as long as he's not totally killed dead before he is able to complete the process, he is able to regenerate. So old cells die away and they're replaced by new cells and you get a different man, um, different in looks and often quite different in personality as well. And it's interesting to see from one doctor to the next how they almost go 180 degrees in the opposite direction hmm. like when you see clips of William Hartnell who was this very Edwardian old straight-laced buttoned gentleman he <laughs> then becomes this little ragamuffin they call him the cosmic hobo this little ragamuffin guy with kind of a Beatles mop top hair and Charlie Chaplin loose fitting clothes and it you could not be more different so this is not about a, a character that needs to remain consistent. This is like, it, it's almost like Hamlet. Like you're going to get as many Hamlets as you have actors to play him. And there's no right or wrong. It's just about 
you know, the actor bringing something new. Yeah. Um, and there's always that doctorish quality. It's always got to be the same guy. He gets to retain all of his memories, which is really important. So when, you know, when, when we start watching the show, we're going to meet the ninth doctor. This is not a guy who's been reborn and has amnesia. Right. He remembers the history of the show, um, even if we don't. But he's bringing all of those associations with him, um, and he remembers everything he's ever done. So um, it was a really genius idea, which means that the show never has to end, basically. As long as there's an audience, it can keep going. Um, just to touch on this really quick, um, he always has uh, one or more human companions because he's such a bizarre and strange alien character. You've got to have your touchstone. So, uh, you know, he has people who he travels with. Um, and just like the doctor, those change over time and they come and go for various reasons. Um, a lot of the elements of the new show are definitely carried over from the old one. They didn't want to start from scratch, so they uh, the theme music is frequently redone and remixed, um, but the the melody um, is basically the same. It's just a new arrangement. So that's the same music they've had since 1963, uh, which I think is pretty great. Hmm. Um, again, a lot of his sort of iconic things. He's got the sonic screwdriver. He's got the TARDIS, which is his time and space machine, um, which always looks like a blue police box. And uh, a lot of the monsters, too. There's always a monster of the episode. And um, probably most of them are new, but a good amount of them. Um, and I'll try to sort of mention them as we watch them, which are the ones which are carryovers from the old show. Um, just a few things I wanted to mention briefly. There's this uh, film reviewer named Marianne Johnson who blogs at flickphilosopher.com who I started reading um, because she has sort of a Doctor Who column where she would write reviews and recaps of the show. And she's someone who watched the show growing up in the 70s and 80s. Um, and definitely I've learned a lot about the old show through reading her blogs and everything. Um, and one thing that she always mentions, especially under Russell T. Davies, um, is this fanfic aspect of it. That what you have to remember is that all the people that are making the show now are people who grew up with it. Hmm. So Russell Davies, Stephen Moffat, um, a lot of the actors, pretty much all of the production team, the writers, these are people who grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So they all have these very long and involved, you know, relationships with the show. So a lot of what they're bringing to it is um, basically sealed and approved fanfic. It's, you know, I always wondered about the Doctor's, this aspect of the Doctor's life, but we never got to explore it. So I'm going to, I get, in my episode, I get to write this thing that I've always wondered about. Um, and it gets done and made and broadcast on the air. Um, so I think that's a really fascinating aspect. Um, the other thing which, uh, you know, I think will definitely gel well with talking about Buffy is um, for a new viewer, just to prepare you, uh, there's a definite camp factor to the show. Um, the old show was very um, 
it embraced its low budget um, <laughs> in in the best possible way. I mean, it when you see some of those old clips, um, it's it's a real sight to behold. Um, it's kind of rubber masks in all their glory, you know, people. And, and you know what? A lot of that is present in the new show. So mm. it definitely takes a little bit of getting used to. The effects will improve. You know, season one does not look like season seven. You know, things have changed even in the seven years since they've started making it. Um, but uh, I think that camp factor is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, And it's kind of interesting to see the ways in which the old ways of doing things like the rubber suits can then be sort of transitioned into more modern visual effects um and the way they kind of fit those two together in the modern show yeah well i think you're absolutely right not having seen doctor who but having seen buffy <laughs> that there is uh especially in in the beginning of the series a, a certain camp factor and 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 you're right it can be a lot of fun when you know the first time you see a vampire go from a normal person to this bumpy headed <laughs> uh you know almost alien looking thing with fangs and and whatever it's it it's and and they, you can tell that they had a lot of fun making it too, uh, in in kind of coming up with these costumes that um, just even going back to what you were saying before about sort of the mundane monsters, you know, they're they're fun, they're you know, kind of scary, kind of gory, but also kind of you know lighthearted. But but they also have these roots in in these sort of real world fears, not so much for children and Buffy, but um, you know, starting out for teenagers and and young adults that things that they really deal with. So I, I think, you know, that's one of the things that, that really drew me to, to, to go on talking about Buffy a bit more is, um, that idea of, of, you know, sort of having fun, but also addressing these, these issues that become real problems for people at times and, and, and sort of working at it both from a story level and, and, uh, uh, metaphorical level and, and kind of applying that to the real world. But I feel like I might be getting ahead of myself. So I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about, um, first about Joss Whedon, because, you know, he's awesome. And, and he did a lot of stuff before Buffy. And I think, um, I think this all has some relevance. So he, he started out, uh, he comes from a line of, 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 Hollywood and, and TV writers, um, but he he started out himself uh, working on Roseanne. He he had a couple of writing credits in season two of of Roseanne. Um, he wrote a few episodes of of a short lived TV show one season called Parenthood as Can well. I just say I and, think that is so trippy that what I just heard this like in the last couple months that he used to write for Roseanne and yeah. I just think that is and, and as the far as I can tell I've ever heard I, I mean I don't know if it's the first I, I I mean it's the first TV show that that I saw him get credit for but I mean I you know who knows I'm sure as a writer he wrote many of things and maybe I had to stand in other things but yeah it's 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 hilarious but I think you know you'll 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 see that his uh starting out on a comedy series has uh there's a very good well and you've seen firefly so i mean i you mm -hmm. know you, you you're introduced to whedon already but um others who maybe aren't uh yeah you know he he's got that he's got that comedic uh delivery and and writing in there just just 
quite perfectly, I would say. Um, he, he went on from from those um, in the early 90s. He, he had a number. He, he became kind of known as a script doctor um, and, and doesn't really have uh, credited appearances, but but he worked on movies such as The Getaway. He worked uh, on Speed. He, he's said that something, you know, like 90, more than 90% of the dialogue in Speed was his. Uh, the Quick and the Dead, which he, he said he worked on for like a couple days just so he could work with Sam Raimi, <laughs> you know, and uh, and 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 Waterworld, which um, he hasn't talked very highly of that experience. <laughs> so uh, I'll I'll leave it as an exercise to the listener or or to you as well to see what he's actually said about that. I don't want to repeat anything, but um, yeah, he uh, in in this meantime though, uh, actually before he was working on a lot of stuff is is where we actually see the movie. Well, and 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 the timeline is kind of different. He went on to write co-write Toy Story, which he was nominated for an Academy Award, and Mm -hmm. then uh, Alien Resurrection. And that kind of takes us up to the time where the TV show comes into play. But but even before that, so in between the period where he was working on Roseanne and Parenthood, and then kind of as he was becoming known as a script doctor, between those is, is where we have Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, which is not a good movie. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. I when I was a kid, did you? I think okay. I've never seen a full episode of Buffy, but I remember watching that movie with my dad. At, okay, like when I was a little kid. And yeah. hopefully, you don't remember anything about it <laughs> because it. I, I, I mean, Joss didn't like it, so I'm not revealing anything new here. Um, and and there are a lot of people who are just like, who it, it really turns out to be what you would expect from a movie titled Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, has Christy Swanson, Donna Sutherland, Paul Rubens, uh, Pee Wee Herman there, and uh, uh, Luke, Luke Perry. So, um, y- you know, I-, I think one of the key things, and, and one of the things that-, that comes back to for me is that they just – they just went away from Joss's original script. He, he, he had this script that, um, you know, and at the time he wasn't really well known. He'd worked on a couple TV shows. This was before he kind of did all his script doctoring and, and people kind of got to know, uh, what his writing style was like. And, and certainly before toy story where, where, you know, he, he got some acclaim there. Um, and so it, it you know, it, it was produced uh, by people who weren't in it for the story. They were in it for, you know, to make this movie and, and just kind of did it um, wrong. But the uh, <laughs> here I am making judgments about it now. Um, but uh, basically he, he had come up with this idea and, and it made this movie and just kind of put him off to it. And, and so going from that into the TV series um, – you know, it's kind of hard, but, but I think it is important because they, he actually went back and, and not him, but, uh, some, some comic book writers, uh, took the, the script from the movie and actually made it into a three part comic series, um, that really kind of gives the same events of the movie, but does it more faithfully to Joss's original script and, and really covers some of those same events. And, and, and I say all that because I think it's important to, to come to the series realizing that this is, um, not quite in the same way as Doctor Who, but this is this is a continuing story. We're coming into it, you know, in the middle of things, and 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 it's it's something that um, 
you, you know, Joss really built up and, and had this whole mythology kind of built around uh, before we get to the series. I don't want to go into the actual mythology quite like you did with Doctor Who, because I think it's important to save that uh, because because it, and really in the first couple of episodes, you get a good idea of what um, what that mythology is, or, or at least the basis of it. And and so um, I won't do that. But but for my own personal introduction, so I I didn't see the movie actually until after I watched the series. And then I was kind of regretted that I saw the movie. Um, but I was curious and and um but for my own personal introduction, I Buffy started as a series when I was in college, and I heard about it, and I actually even had a uh, one of my English professors say, oh, it's one of the best written series I've ever seen, and he watched it with his daughters, and I will admit, I scoffed. I had heard about, I had heard the movie and, and hadn't seen it, but I knew it was bad and, and, and just not a very good movie, and, and I was like, whatever. Turns out I was not the only one. Um, I still have friends who actually now laugh at me because I am oh, such yeah, a no, fan. I, I've met those people. And uh, I know those people. But but actually, um, Marty Noxon, who uh, later became a co-producer of this show, has has said in in one of the interviews in in the um, box edition, ha- has said that that she first saw a billboard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer when it was going to be a TV show. And she just thought, Oh my God, this is a failed movie and it's going to be a horrible show and whatever. And then, you know, lo and behold, she becomes a writer, (laughs) becomes a co-producer and, 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 and goes on to uh, do great things with it. Um, But I was introduced to Firefly uh, after, after that whole debacle with Firefly came out and, and actually Serenity was coming out. And and that's when I first started, um, really taking note of Joss Whedon's work and, and, and I saw Firefly, saw Serenity and I was like, Oh my God, this is great. And that's when I really looked into Buffy and saw that, you know, it was so long running and then Angel spun off of it. And, and, and so I'm like, well, something that successful written by the same guy who did this Firefly thing has got to be pretty good. So the box set was on sale one day on Amazon for whatever, and I just bought it and watched the whole thing. And I and I did exactly what we said we're going to try not to do here, and I binged on it. I watched like it all in, in probably about a month. And then I went out and bought Angel and watched all of that as well. So my own introduction there um, – you know, I just I, I got to come clean. You know, I scoffed at the beginning, but now I love it, and it's just so great. And I think, you know, one of one of the one of the great aspects of it um, is actually something that that I've I've read that Joss has said um, about the title, just right there from the very beginning. That um, apparently, originally, the the studio or the network, I'm not exactly sure which, wanted to change it to just be called the Slayer. You know, this very like mysterious and kind of you know just uh dark and whatever title and 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 joss was like no it it has to be buffy the vampire slayer because you really have the the three important aspects of the show right in the title itself and and it really you know gives people a clue you've got buffy which let's just face it it's a funny name for anyone who calls their daughter buffy you know i mean let's Let's just be honest. But it's comical. It's, it's it, you know, you're expecting this humor from it. But it marks it out as California, doesn't it? It, it very much does. The, the whole Valley Girl and, and you know, whatever. So it's it's very much, uh, yes. So so you've got that aspect to it. 
<laughs> and then you've got the the vampire. So, oh, ooh, okay, we're talking scary. We're talking supernatural. Kind of juxtaposed with the Buffy, the light, and and you know, comical, whatever. But then, but then you've also got this concept of Slayer in it, and 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 it, you know, again, it's like this third. I don't. I don't know what a third juxtaposition of the other two would be, but you know, you've got like, it, it, you've got in it. You know, she's slaying the vampires, so you know she's opposing them, but it's also opposed to kind of the, the buffiness of of the show, and 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 it's you, you you know you've got this girl with a funny name that's that's you know again this California Valley girl sort of idea, and 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 yet she's going around kicking butt and and just being generally awesome so you know really in 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 this whole concept of the show just just kind of focuses in and and what you have from from even just the title and from the beginning and and so i think um you know i i think for me it it, it just became this hmm, not quite sure how to put it i i guess it just became for me this 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 whole different idea of of what I had from the show. Um, because again, even though all those elements are in the title, I, I clearly thought it was one thing, but, but I think also it, it, it just comes to, um, to really draw out of people. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, I don't want to get into like the whole point of the story or, or, or anything like that, but I think it just kind of, you come to draw out from you the, these sort of shared experiences that, that everyone approaches things on their own based on their own idea. And it's almost always wrong. And it's, you, you, you know, you, you, you never really fully understand things, but, but yet, you know, you still have to kind of keep going on. And so that's maybe one of the things that we might explore at some point further down the road anyway. So that's my introduction to Buffy the series without hopefully giving away too much. Um, so, so when the show starts, um, is it, I know you said it's intended as a sequel to the script, not necessarily the completed movie. Right. Um, but but it is a sequel. It's not. Yes. It's not a. It's not a re. It's they didn't redo in TV form the same bit of story that they did in the movie. No, right? absolutely not. And so actually, the the when you, when you pick up from the series and and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this when we watch the first episode but when you when you pick up the series it it's actually starting um the summer after so so the 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 movie ends um i think with like the prom or the homecoming or no not the homecoming i don't know i i can't remember where exactly the movie ends but basically then you have like the summer break and buffy has actually moved to a new town in the interim um mm-hmm. because of the events that happened and you kind of learn some of some of what uh, that's all about in that first episode. But, um, so, so it is, it is a sequel. It's, it's happening after these events and, and the, the comic series, the origin it's called, um, does kind of go over those events in a more Buffy verse friendly way. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think, I think once we watch it and, and, and we can talk about that a little bit more, but it definitely, you're right. It definitely is a sequel. Um, and, and, and what I was saying before, just kind of how it, it, it picks up in the middle of things. So it's, it's, uh, you know, so like you were saying with the doctor, I mean, obviously he regenerates and, and, and it's kind of new, but it's kind of the same, whatever. I mean, the, the, the whole concept of slayer of, of someone being a vampire slayer is itself a, a long, uh, has a long mythology to it. So it's, this is, you know, Buffy is, is the latest in a long, a long line of, of these slayers. And, and so there's, 
probably even some some parallels there where we might be able to uh, draw on, even though I know the doctor is one person and, and mm-hmm. not different people, um, but has different incarnations. You know, in a way, the Slayers are all kind of different uh, incarnations of this one idea anyway, if not one person. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I really think... I know I'm going to enjoy this approach and, and, and looking at um, each of these things together. And, and even just as you were talking and, 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 and giving some of these themes and ideas beyond the camp factor, which both of these shows uh, share, I think there's really a lot of ideas that, that, that are going to be um, compatible and, 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 and looking at uh, obviously in their own ways, but, but really looking at um, a lot of the same things and, and same ideas. So I'm really excited. I, I, I know I'm going to look forward to it. I know you've said you're looking forward to doing this night. And, and, and I think, and I hope that other people out there, maybe who are listening are, are one or two listeners will, will, en- will enjoy the approach as well. Um, yeah, we're definitely looking forward uh, to sharing our experiences um, and watching and reviewing these shows together. Um, yeah, we hope you guys enjoy it too. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Cat and Kurt's TV Review is copyright 2013, Catherine Sass and Curtis Wyant. Please find us at kctvreview.wordpress.com or on Facebook or Twitter at kctvreview.com.